Welcome to the Not All Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and as part of our Smithsonian Associates Art of Living interview series, we have returning guest and Smithsonian Associate Dr. Brian Rose with us today. Dr. Brian Rose will give us something to laugh about, and I tell you, we need it. He'll tell us about TV comedy from Milton Berle to David Letterman. Dr. Brian Rose will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates August 3rd, and the title of his presentation is Something to Laugh About. TV comedy from Milton Berle to David Letterman. We'll hear from Brian Rose today about his upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation, and more details will be available on our website about how to attend the Smithsonian Zoom presentation by Brian Rose on August 3rd. From commercial television's earliest days, making people laugh was a central goal of TV programmers. Successful radio formats like the Situation Comedy and the Comedy Variety Show were recreated for TV in the late 1940s, joined a few years later by the medium's own innovation, the late-night comedy talk show. For the next seven decades, these three formats dominated the airwaves led by brilliant comedians such as Sid Caesar, Jackie Gleason, Johnny Carson, Carol Burnett, Gilda Radner, and Jerry Seinfeld. Media and communications expert Brian Rose surveys with us the extraordinary landscape of American TV comedy, examining how comedy evolved from the vaudeville shtick of Milton Berle and the slapstick artistry of Lucille Ball to relevant sitcoms like All in the Family and M.A.S.H., the social satire of Saturday Night Live, and the self-reflexive absurdities of David Letterman and The Simpsons. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show via internet phone, Smithsonian Associate, Dr. Brian Rose. Brian Rose, welcome back to the program. It's my pleasure as always, Paul. It's great to talk to you. Happy summer to you, and I hope you're doing well. You certainly are a fan favorite. We've got a great subject today. I'm super excited about this because I love comedy. Title of your upcoming presentation is Something to Laugh About, TV comedy from Milton Berle, to David Letterman. I'm a big fan of both those two guys. Let's just jump into this really quickly and get right to the heart of it because comedy is worth talking about a lot, especially with you, Brian Rose. Well, why don't you tell us briefly about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation? Well, what I'm going to be doing is in a brief one hour or so uh, analysis, uh, take a look at the last 70 years of TV comedy, and that is a tall order. I mean, it, it basically, you could cover it in a semester. Uh, what is, I think, so fascinating is that television really developed its own style, its own method, its own approach to comedy that was very different than its predecessor, which was radio. Certainly, a lot of the formats uh, came from radio. The situation comedy was simply transposed from radio to television. Uh, But what television did, I think, specifically is to emphasize the genius of performance, which, of course, is something you really couldn't capture on radio. And one other very important note, television invented the late night talk show. And as many of your listeners I uh, probably know, CNN just devoted a six-part series just looking at the talk show. 
which is a fascinating subject in and of itself. So I'm trying to cover a lot of ground. I'm doing situation comedy. I'm doing the comedy variety show, which is something that also came from radio, but was developed exponentially on television from Milton Berle to Laugh-In to, I think, its ultimate culmination, which is Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live, which is what? Entering its 46th season. And who could have imagined that from its uh, roots way back? Yeah. Yeah, who could have imagined that? And and you told me something recently that I just found absolutely just fascinating because another long-running comedy, The Simpsons, ranks number one above Saturday Night Live, above All in the Family, above MASH, above I Love Lucy – Another program that we probably couldn't have had that on radio. We just need that animation. We need what TV has to offer there. Absolutely. And it, it should be noted that The Simpsons is not the first uh, primetime adult, in quotation marks, uh, animated cartoon. Uh, many of us can remember growing up, there was The Flintstones, which essentially was an animated version of the classic The Honeymooners. Uh, there was Top Cat, uh, all of these from the Hanna-Barbera uh, animation studio. But what The Simpsons did, and I think what the genius of The Simpsons did, is to find a way to reach virtually every segment of the population, from kids to teenagers to adults, who I think can appreciate not only the slapstick that appeals so much to younger audiences, but the incredibly witty uh, dialogue that has been crafted by some of the greatest comedy writers, including Conan O'Brien, uh, when he was at the show. And Simpsons is now entering three decades uh, and is still, I think, just as lively, just as fresh, just as imaginative mm -hmm. uh, as ever. The other interesting thing about the move from radio to TV was this slapstick nature. You refer to it. Lucille Ball brought it to us. Dick Van Dyke just modified. Mm -hmm. he, he really took the pratfall to a new level. I love both those shows. And they really almost emphasize the physical part that we, we really couldn't get that on radio. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that is really where television came into its own. You could even say, uh, I, Milton Berle kind of started out from vaudeville to radio and then moved to television, but it was just physical gestures. It was the ability to integrate body with uh, dialogue that was really where television uh, took radio comedy into an entire new dimension. And, you, you know, you said it, Lucille Ball, uh, you could spend hours discussing her amazing contribution uh, to the art of comedy. And what's fascinating is that Lucy started out as a grade B movie star, moved to radio where she had a program. I think I've got this right. My favorite husband. CBS wanted her basically just to take that thing and move it to TV. She said no. She didn't want to work with Richard Denning, who was her radio co-star. She insisted that she wanted to work with her husband, uh, Cuban band leader Desi Arnaz. And it's hard to believe, but CBS was terrified at the prospect of an audience accepting an all-American girl 
marrying a Latino man. And Lucy had to prove herself. She and Desi uh, created a vaudeville show. They took it cross country. They got rapturous reviews and finally convinced CBS, okay, we're going to do this. And then Lucy took it to the next step. She refused to produce the program in New York, which is where most of television was coming from in the early 1950s. She wanted to do it in Hollywood, uh, didn't want to leave her L.A. home, and basically invented the three-camera situation comedy. Uh, most, a lot of uh, comedy back then was done live. Lucy uh, utilizing, and this is another fascinating little uh, side fact about the show, the cinematographer for I Love Lucy was one of the greatest cinematographers of the 20th century, a German named Karl Freund, who happened to photograph the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. And he developed the process by which Lucy would basically do a live comedy. They would shoot it with three film cameras and then edit it in post-production. And most importantly for Lucy and Desi's uh, future, that filmed record permitted the comedy to be syndicated from then to now and to make untold mm. billions of dollars. I would imagine, too, and I could be wrong, but just the, the emphasis on production quality, the three-camera approach, probably allowed some of that old black-and-white footage to be turned into color editions and updated for today's audience. Well, there there have been some, I would say, mm -hmm. misbegotten efforts to mm -hmm. make colorized black and white versions. CBS, a couple years ago, uh, took a couple episodes of Dick Van Dyke and colorized them, actually fairly successfully. But I think there is something about black and white television that is its own aesthetic. And all you have to do is look at those episodes of Lucy or Dick Van Dyke, which I think are so beautifully shot and lit as compared to, I think, live video uh, like the Honeymooners, which used a process called the Electronicam, which doesn't have the clarity and uh, I think the beauty of 35 millimeter film. Yeah, you could really tell that difference. Even with today's HD television screens, you really get mm -hmm. that sharpness, that just that clarity, that precision of the of the visuals with Lucy. Yeah, it's Absolutely. very noticeable. Yeah, Absolutely. thank you for that. Well, let's jump back then to the subject of late night comedy talk shows. And why don't you tell us a little? Because it's an interesting <laughs> yes. contrast. You know, we talked about the move from radio to TV and the physical comedy. Talk was kind of a staple of radio, but it really took off and jumped when it made the move to television, especially late night comedy talk shows from Steve Allen to Jack Parr. Oh my yes. gosh. And we have to give credit to a genius, uh, to a guy named Sylvester Pat Weaver, Sigourney Weaver's dad, who was the president of NBC uh, at in the early 1950s. Pat Weaver is responsible not only for the Today Show, but for the Tonight Show. He was a visionary who basically looked at television and said, where can we put a new type of program. And he looked at late night and said, you know, people aren't staying up late. They're not used to television 
uh, as something that they could entertain them late at night. Uh, and he came up originally with something called Broadway Open House, which ultimately transformed itself into Steve Allen and The Tonight Show. And Allen's genius can't be underestimated as well in terms of this sense of anything goes uh, in late night. And uh, he basically set the format for how late night comedy would work. He left to start a primetime Sunday night show and was succeeded by Jack Parr, who turned it into more of a, well, semi-serious talk show. Johnny Carson took over for Parr and then created what we what we now think of as the mold of the Tonight Show. Uh, Carson's uh, genial personality, his wit, his ability to improvise uh, was something that set the mold uh, for the next few decades to come. There's a reason he's called the king of late night, because no one comes close to this type of easygoing, uh, genial approach that, and this is important, embraces everyone, every segment of the population, adult onwards, uh, watched Carson religiously almost. His successor, and there's no question it's his successor, was David Letterman, who was a Carson favorite. And as uh, has been detailed in Bill Carter's fabulous books on late night TV, should have been Carson's heir. But for complicated reasons, Jay Leno, uh, who was formerly Letterman's best friend, uh, took over Letterman in a peak of rage, went over to CBS. But Letterman's contributions, I think, uh, are every bit as significant and as important as Carson's. Letterman, of course, brought in a totally new sensibility of the absurd, uh, which had a lot to do with Steve Allen, but also was very, very sophisticated, maybe because Letterman drafted so many of his writing staff directly from the Harvard Lampoon, but also just because Letterman had a college-age sensibility. Uh, and... Um, what he did with his with late night television is something that is worthy of many, many books. I don't remember whether Johnny Carson kind of took the camera out on the street in the same way that Letterman did. Was that a Letterman? No, I don't think mm -hmm. he did. Carson was a very much a, a very closed in personality, very tight. And I think wanted that comfort of a very familiar studio. Um, not an easy guy by any means, but. So, too, was Letterman for those who know him. But Letterman, again, adapting many of the approaches that Steve Allen pioneered on The Tonight Show, took his program out on the streets of 53rd Street and basically opened up a world uh, to viewers, uh, a world of silliness. Uh, that was also, of course, incredibly sophisticated. We'll be right back with more from Brian Rose. You won't want to miss Brian Rose telling us how comedy evolved from TV's lowbrow to the artistry of Lucille Ball and others. Stay tuned. Hi, it's Paul. Do you love entertaining, informative, eclectic, insightful programs about culture, health, science, life, 
and everything Smithsonian. As part of our Smithsonian Associates programs here on KSCW, we're introducing you to the new Smithsonian Associates streaming series. Smithsonian, a nonprofit organization, is excited to present this new aspect of their 55 years as the world's largest museum-based educational program. Join us from the comfort of your home as we periodically interview Smithsonian Associate guest speakers. Our KSCW audience can explore our website for more information at notold-better.com. And now back with Dr. Brian Rose and Something to Laugh About, TV comedy from Milton Berle to David Letterman. We're with Brian Rose. Brian Rose is a fan favorite here on the program. Going to be back presenting at Smithsonian Associates coming up here August 3rd. The title of Brian Rose's presentation is Something to Laugh About, TV comedy from Milton Berle to David Letterman. We've been talking about David Letterman, of course, with Brian Rose. But Brian Rose, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, some of these other greats, the Sid Caesars, Carol Burnett's, Gilda Radner's, Mm. Jerry Seinfeld, you know, all of these. Well, the first three, of course, are part of this tradition of comedy variety programs, uh, which kind of got started on radio, but television, of course, took it to a new level. And Sid Caesar's contributions uh, cannot be underestimated. All any of your listeners have to do, go to YouTube, type in Pro- Caesar's program, your show of shows, and you will be dazzled at the sketch comedy uh the writers who included, by the way, Neil Simon, his brother Danny, and not to be underestimated, Mel Brooks, uh, were able to create. Uh, it's remarkable. And one thing that should be noted about television in this first decade of the 1950s, TV was live. I mean, that that is just a staggering fact when you think about it, is these comedians were, many of them came from vaudeville like Milton Berle. Uh, I believe Caesar had a little run in the theater as well. We're used to how to deal with a live audience. And that was also part of the genius of this kind of uh, live comedy format of the, of the comedy variety show. By the 60s, we're moving to tape with programs like Carol Burnett, uh, Laugh-In, and ultimately Saturday Night Live, which owes a great deal to these predecessors, but also uh, added enormous innovations to what a, uh, if we want to call it a variety program, but I think it's its own genre. It really has developed its own genre. It it started out uh, political. It's maintained that political edge throughout. Mm-hmm. I think that's something we all look to. I mean, one of my favorite things to do, I, I don't necessarily stay up each Saturday <laughs> night, but I pay attention to it the following Sunday morning because that's, that's all when the, the clips appear on YouTube. The clips. Yep. And so it is, you know. It is still a favorite, even to this day, and its political humor is, I'm, I just, I don't know, frankly, Brian Rose, I, I kind of need that political well, humor. Well, I think the last administration, uh, we all <laughs> needed what Saturday yes. Night Live was going to do, and part yeah. of its genius is, is its ability to literally get inside the headset of whoever is president. Alec Baldwin's uh, Donald Trump was simply a work of genius. And I, I want to note one other thing, Paul, because you mentioned politics and comedy. Uh, those two were not joined for the first 
two decades of uh, television. It really took the early 1970s before there was some recognition that there was an outside world uh, in television. And of course, we have uh, the, the three CBS uh, sitcoms on Saturday night that led the way, The Mary Tyler Moore Show, which was one of the first programs that uh, attend, which showed a career woman. Though let's not forget that girl uh, as well. But uh, Mary Tyler Moore broke so many traditions about what a comedy was. And that led, or didn't lead, but three months later, All in the Family premiered. And that was followed a year or two later by MASH. Three innovative approaches to uh, the sitcom, which recognized that the times they are changing. The role of women is changing. The role of the nuclear family is changing. The role of uh, civil rights is changing. And all three programs ran into a great deal of controversy, but proved through their enormous popularity that there is room on television to be political. And let's not forget Laugh-In as well, which was an early example of how you can bring politics and comedy together on television and the ill-fated The Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour, which was canceled because of its deep commitment to showing a, uh, a far more uh, progressive approach to politics than anyone at CBS was comfortable acknowledging. Mm-hmm. Some wonderful programs, Brian Rose. I wonder, maybe leave us with this kind of final thought from you. What is it that we love about comedy on TV? And and do you think that it's all about stand-up hmm. these days? Or are, are we back to the That's, kind of situational comedies? That is comedies? a very interesting question because uh, sitcoms, uh, I think, uh, can be found all over the place. I mean, many people have... Uh, become ardent fans of Schitt's Creek on Netflix. Uh, But I think, to me, uh, one of the most important values of comedy is, A, it allows us to laugh at ourselves, but also, B, it's this sense of how it brings so many creative elements together. Great performances, great writing, and uh, the fact that Everybody is familiar with all the rules of the genre so that you can watch these incremental innovations that uh, talented writers and performers are able to bring to the format. I think that's what's made the sitcom so durable. I mean, it's still around. It's still enormously popular. Well, Brian Rose, we're going to let you go for today, but I know you're going to be back. And so I'm looking forward to that. This has just been a wonderful kind of travelogue with you through some of these fantastic comedies of, uh, of this uh, of this last 20, 30, 40, 50 years even. And so we, uh, we wish you the best. Have a great rest of your summer. We're going to look forward to seeing you coming up here Tuesday, August 3rd. And the title again is Something to Laugh About, TV comedy from Milton Berle to David Letterman. Brian Rose has been our guest. We're going to put links up to where our audience can find out more information about Brian Rose, about his upcoming presentation at Smithsonian Associates. But Brian Rose, thank you for your generous time. Thanks for this great, I, I tell you, I'm smiling. I know you can't see me right now, but I'm just, I'm smiling. So it's been fun to talk with you. Well, thank you very much, Paul. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. 
My thanks to Dr. Brian Rose for joining us today. Hopefully, today's show will bring a smile to your face. As I say, we all need it these days. Remember to check out our website for more details about Brian Rose's upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation on August 3rd. My thanks to the Smithsonian Associates team for all they do to support the show. My thanks to you, my wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. Be safe and remember, let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Until next time, thanks everybody. Thanks everybody.